This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matches, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. In today's show, I speak to Andriy Taranov, board member of Suspilna, the public broadcasting company of Ukraine, as we reflect on the one-year anniversary of the Russian-Ukraine conflict and get a deeper sense of how the press in Ukraine is covering the war. Welcome, Andriy. What's the mood on the ground in Ukraine? Is it defined? Well, uh, basically, the international media call it resilient, which I think is the best word to describe the situation because so the majority of the population understands that we stand firm and we shall stand firm for as long as it takes. Yeah, but, you know, aren't people getting tired of the war? It's dragged on for a year already. Surely there must be some lethargy? Well, look, uh, people get tired of uh, many economic issues, of many personal issues in their life. Uh, Getting tired is a good word to describe things going on when it's peaceful conditions around. So basically... Within this year, I think every Ukrainian family had suffered personally or uh, have uh, the friends and relatives who suffered personally as a mm. consequences of the war, be it uh, closer to war, to front line or further from border, border line. So it's not about like people think, okay, let's give it up. Brand new way of living for millions mm. of people. Yeah, it's interesting because I always... You know, I always reflect about even before this war, Ukraine, when you go through elections, it's a pretty divided country where you have pro-Russian and pro-Ukrainian or pro-European kind of groups and camps. All that has dissolved now and you see a more united front. Well, this is very artificial construction created in the early 2000s by Russian political technologies. can uh, refer to the 2019 elections where Mr. Zelensky had a landslide victory with 70% voters uh, distributed evenly around the country. And uh, uh, there was never any political uh, party uh, that would uh, promote any kind of uniting with Russian or any kind of ethnical issues uh, regarding mm. Russians or unity with Russia. Like the, the zombie Soviet Union, I would call it, yes, yeah. uh, that they try to reconstruct. This idea hasn't been popular here for more than 10 years. Where it's really popular, we would have been occupied in 2014. It didn't happen then, and this mood was just decreasing through the years. I wonder, you know, in the past one year, how has the media coverage evolved? And whether there's been a big distinction between digital and traditional media in Ukraine in terms of how they cover the war? Well, uh, there's a huge, uh, huge evolution. And I think this is what the researchers throughout of the world are interested in now. There's a huge evolution of the media consumption habits. Mm. And, uh, you know, we are in the situation that is about laboratory experiment for many things, unfortunately, definitely, mm. but it is. So we see a lot of digital transition in terms of news consumption, for sure. So people understand that when it concerns safety, when it concerns 
fast distribution and well like immediate news that concern their personal safety they switch to digital platforms first and foremost still they use radio as and radio got much more importance throughout the year the answers we made several online panels and research projects to understand how people consume the news and we see some dynamics i can talk about that for hours so please uh, <laughs> uh, when you need it uh, but basically we observed that people realize that radio is their last chance when they are limited in terms of connection to the media yes, yes. Uh, and this concern uh, and again as russians were not successful in switching off neither mobile communications nor mobile internet nor media broadcast media themselves so basically there's no the, this change is more about people having smartphone at hand and understanding that the fastest way to get some news is through the smartphone they still knew uh, mostly use the well i would say there are uh, many platforms be it uh, well I, i think telegram is very popular here yep. uh, facebook viber communities got to be uh, a sources sources of the news which are uh, as important as the traditional broadcast media but the pool of those news sources is pretty well organized in terms of there are many every every ukrainian media outlet has their own uh, digital distribution so basically every ukrainian media company now has a widespread uh, system of distribution of mm. their uh, news throughout different platforms so that people can access it comfortably and in uh, many uh, well, hard circumstances public broadcaster we yeah. have a radio network that works and yeah. the other side of that like the 20th century side of that that we also have AM broadcast that is sometimes the only media available for people who are cut off electricity basically and they have just a radio with the batteries Battery. very interesting yeah. because it's speed and trust you need people who can deliver the news in a very fast way but also huge source of trust and and sometimes the challenge with digital platforms and media platforms is that they are sometimes not easy to trust I mean so radio is a very interesting intersection is that happening here do people trust the digital platforms entirely in Ukraine when it comes to getting the latest and current and accurate developments happening on the ground there well yes they do and uh, we uh, and yes they uh, try to figure out what is their media menu like what are the now the bunch of trusted sources they can understand that uh, the deliver guarantee have well have a guaranteed delivery of trust trustworthy information. Yeah. And this is where we spend tremendous effort in developing. We we have the largest network of local uh, journalists. So to give you a simple example, uh, we have like a million and a half, more than million and a half subscribers on our different Telegram channels, of which our central like national news channel gets 300,000. And more than a million is spread like 100,000 per each town of the local outlets. Suspilne Kharkiv, Suspilne Rinne, because people this was the, the success of of our previous reform where we built that trust and people understand that if it concerns their security and immediate news this is the place that they get it there are also some public channels uh, along with that but we are as one of the examples of being the leaders locally where people just understand that trust means that they get the information on the ground and we tracked it through the year and uh, i would say that uh, 
for for a public broadcaster now the level of trust is above 80% stably of those who listen mm-hmm. to our news and the uh, uh, national average for national media outlets is at uh, 70%ish figures uh, for every major Ukrainian news outlet as well as for the United Marathon that is broadcast through the televisions through major television stations it's it's very fascinating and it goes against the grain outside the rest of the world where you think trust in broadcast media declining and reducing and a part of that is a result of you're seeing people i think create their own divisions their own internal groupings or they tend to gravitate to platforms that they gravitate to in terms of values as opposed to the accurate platforms that's not happening in ukraine isn't it well look there were we were talking about the same things before the war about like people getting in their information bubbles people getting tired yeah. of the news etc when it concerns personal security and wartime circumstances in critical situation it appeared that ukrainian media were well developed and trusted enough so that people started to refer to them and if in the beginning of the war for example we tracked it and the public persons like well be it a head of local administration, be it like security service or Mr. President's accounts, they used to get even more subscriptions than the basic uh, news media outlets in the very beginning of the war. Within, through the year, the trust went and the, uh, well, the subscriptions are still very high, but when we ask people about where they get their news first and foremost, they basically name the top uh, news brands, uh, the top Ukrainian news brands, which is, again, pretty well, I think we'll have, hopefully, we'll have enough time to analyze it in the next 10 years. But from the point of evolution, it showed that people checked a lot of different sources and they found out that... They gravitate quality, towards the tried and tested yes, brand, essentially. Yes, yes. The trusted news, uh, news outlets mm-hmm. are now on top. None yeah. of them is out. So I always wonder, when you cover war, you have to be unbiased, you have to be balanced. And for sure, in any conflict, there are going to be advances, progresses, as well as situations when the war doesn't go according to the way it's meant to be. Uh, Does the media in Ukraine openly criticize how the Ukrainian army conducts itself or or the the political strategies or the defensive strategies or military strategies that it adopts in order to advance in victory? Is there that level of criticism or countercheck that takes place internally in Ukraine? Well, uh, definitely there is some. I try to put it logically. Look, the first thing, which is the most important one, is definitely the security issues. Mm. And there is a number of security regulations respected. And and what's good news, I think, about Ukraine is that the basic security regulations are well respected by both established news media outlets as well as local publics and local bubbles. Yeah, you definitely understand that I track pretty attentively what's going on on uh, the Russian side of information, for sure. And even then, they can't get footage that they would love to show in case they would have access to that from like even the smallest possible local media in Ukraine. So basically, the security issues are pretty well managed in terms of that we definitely shouldn't show the things that could, uh, well, damage security and the, well, damage the lives of our civilian and military population. Sure. Yes. On the other hand, we, none of the media have uh, a, like, military person sitting next to him in the editorial room. There's no... Uh, 
about censorship and classical, meaning that like there are military people reading the news before they go on air. We have a lot of, well, actually the United Marathon is live broadcast. We have a regional marathon uh, for 12 hours, five days a week, which mm. is broadcast live on the regional net TV networks. So there's uh, uh, plenty of live content going on. And there's a lot of people who take part in those live airs, meaning be it a civilian, military experts, uh, politicians, etc. So we, uh, like everybody is on air more or less when yeah. uh, there is a news about something they're competent at. So basically mm-hmm. there's no uh, such a limitation when you have like one newsroom and three people who tell everything through to the country and uh, you never get access. There is to no, there's no heavy you. handedness, there's no control, but there's no hesitation to report uh, news stories that perhaps could be morale damaging to the Ukrainian army, right? Because you would want to report the truth and fact for that matter. Right? There, there, there is there is a lot of discussions around about how to improve the situation so that yeah. the people get a correct picture and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the media never damage the situation in militarily, I would say, first of all, yes? There's also a lot of discussions about economic implications, about what's going on around, about the civil society, social issues. We, we now plan to launch social talk show. We plan to launch the political talk show as well now so that the different political parties can express their points of view on what's going on around. It's definitely not an easy job in terms of the security first and foremost. We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we continue our discussion on how the Ukrainian press is covering the Russian-Ukraine conflict. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, we speak to Andriy Taranov, board member of Suspilna, the public broadcasting company of Ukraine, about the Russian-Ukraine conflict. Now, Andriy, in the past few months, we've seen many cases of corruption and espionage stories within Ukraine's government apparatus. Is that covered extensively in Ukrainian media? Yes, definitely. Yes, it is. And the uh, whole thing goes around the media coverage because uh, it's important, I think, for the government to show that they are on the pace of the reform. Again, we, we must be cautious about not to ruin the institutions trying to get the best out of the anti-corruption policies that we've created during the previous years of the reforms. But on the other hand, we definitely never stop. And there were several steps in terms of judicial reform. I'm not a lawyer and I I really can't say you correctly uh, if it's good or bad in terms of tempo. Definitely we all as citizens, we all want it to move faster and uh, the judicial reform I think is the key uh, to the next steps in the evolution of Ukrainian governance. But uh, it never freezed in terms of of the reform, which is, I believe, which is very good news for the society. And I guess the key with all these issues about improving the institution is that many Western donors are a bit nervous sometimes when it comes to providing military support on contingent that it has to be executed with integrity. So, but I just want to check with you whether Ukrainian newspapers, you know, vent their frustrations over how sometimes Western allies are very slow in providing support to Ukraine in this uh, war. Well, you know, it's definitely uh, any uh, idea of that someone could have given some, provided some support, but didn't, didn't 
Ireland provided today is very emotional issues because it uh, it's measured in lives basically. Yeah. The, definitely, there's a lot of emotions going around on the Facebook and uh, the other social platforms. First of all, I think uh, the media are covering a lot of talks and discussions around that again to try to understand what's going on, what are the processes, what's really important, and how how the partners see their uh, next steps in what's going on. Well, everyone dreams of having a wonderful thing that will help us win the war tomorrow. But well, and definitely, well, all, every everybody would be happy to have that. But I believe that significant chunk of the population, they realize it can't change all the things in one day. So sure. there's a bit of realism uh, to it, I'm sure. There is a bit of realism and yeah. uh, there's a lot of coverage of every Rammstein meeting, of every issue, every command of international leaders, of our partners, of our uh, military, senior military. They are working a lot in terms of developing their communication as well because before mm. the big war, you understand the army was very close to organization. They didn't give you too much and what they are doing. So now they realize the necessity of explaining it to the people too, because we all must understand that. I, I believe neither you, you nor myself can drive an F-16 tomorrow, even if someone will give it to you. <laughs> yes. Well, I think what is very important that we feel that this flow never stops. And I think it's very important that there is a consensus in Europe and the, the US and our allies around the world about that uh, this support has to be well planned, but should go on as as long as it takes, as they say. You know, I presume at the start of last year, everyone very much focused on the actual progress of the war. Do you see, as you were saying just now, the conversations shifting to more the impact of the war, the economic side, the socioeconomic part, the emigration implications of the war. Are those conversations getting louder and louder in Ukraine about the economic cost and impact about the challenges people have in dealing with bread and butter issues? Do they equate that with the war still, or is that a very separate and distinct issue? Well, it's a very focused on what's going on on the front lines, for sure. Mm. Look, we've, we've had the war for eight years before that, when it was a stalemate, and well, the soldiers were dying every day since 2014, and I think everyone understands that. But this these were the years when something happens like 500 miles miles away and uh, well I have my own problems here there's nothing like that now and uh, it didn't change dramatically in this meaning we track again we track the attentiveness to the news and we see that the level of consumption though some people try to consume less news like they can't follow it every hour yeah and it's just physically unbearable for sure for many people Uh, but uh, we see that the level of interest interest is constantly high and uh, definitely there are several and the front lines, the economic situation, and uh, well, social life, immigration issues, etc. They are well. I can hardly say you that I would weigh one to another, being like times heavier, this or that. Because again, and the situation is it's all measured in millions. And well, you are a big country as well. You understand it's not about like five hundred people concerned about something. It's it concerns millions of lives yes. here. Yeah. And like that's that's why I believe it's it will not get off the top. 
until the situation changes dramatically. And I guess the media is also a very good gauge and barometer about the popularity of key leaders. And of course, notably, uh, President Zelensky is at the forefront. You know, at the start, I, I get a sense that he had unanimous support from the Ukrainian public. Is that unanimity still there? Well, look, we ourselves at Public Broadcaster, we didn't do any kind of personal ratings of the politicians. Mm -hmm. So I can't give you a figure. You can talk to the research agencies. But what I hear and what I understand in terms of media coverage that the support of the president is overwhelming. The trust to the military is fantastic level. Mm -hmm. And this is very different again to what I saw 10 years ago, for example. So uh, Mm -hmm. just I have things to compare within last 20, 30 years. So it's uh, so high, you can't compare it to anything that used to be before. What I think is important and what I think is a good news about media coverage, as I stated, as I told it in the very beginning, that there's a lot of live air and there's a lot of people who are not uh, president or prime minister going live. And so there are people see much more people involved in daily politics and daily, uh, well, like like city mayors, like, uh, like oblast administrator, like regional administration tops like experts that go like um, no, deputy ministers who are in charge of some specific topic that go on air to explain what's going on there's a lot of understanding and I think it's important that from one hand we as a media community understand that people need a lot of explanation and the government understands that they cannot lock up their communication to president or like two three speakers there must be people who can explain what's going on on the ground else they really risk to lose the trust. So it's very interesting what you're saying here is that in the beginning, the communication was limited to three, four trusted, you know, top oh. leaders. And since then, it's evolved a lot and democratized and everybody has a role to communicate now the developments taking place. It was not limited because of the war. You know, it was like before the war, the news were trying to get the top popular, you know, like top of the pop political figures first. Uh, and uh, this is natural for normal media market. Yes, you would never call some small city mayor if everything is okay around. Again, this is absolutely not about regulation. This is about re- evolution. And this is what, yep. what I think is very interesting factor. And people, we, this is what we did research about, that people understand that uh, seeing many people, uh, many specialists that explain them different things, give them understanding that it's More not like... Well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's better trust because people see the people in charge of doing things, not like the speakers or the press officers only. So and this is, I think this is a part of successful strategy because they could have tried to make it different being, well, because, well, martial law means martial law. They could have done it very different way in the limits of the communication to some people. They never did it and it grew in the right direction to my my point of view. The, the healthy outcome of that would be that it might bring to the country like many more publicly recognized persons that uh, when it comes to the reconstruction and renovation of the country after the war is over and when it will come to the political processes, we'll have many people and who have the proven track record of mm-hmm. trustworthy information. You know, this is important because this you can't buy it in a month of election campaign. That was Andriy Taranov, board member of Suspilna, the public broadcasting company of Ukraine. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. news bulletin followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.